Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. And uh, we're going to be talking this morning about Everlasting Father. Uh, in our scripture, in Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus uh, is called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, and then the Everlasting Father. And there's all times in life that we're going to need Jesus to be our Everlasting Father. Uh, now, you take those two words that are used in Hebrew, Everlasting and Father, that word, got to give me some room here to run around. Oh, that's a, don't worry about it. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, the word everlasting means everlasting. Okay. It means for all time, for all eternity, in perpetuity. Uh, it means that it's something that's going to go on forever. So we're told that we have a father that is always going to be there for us. Now, for some of us, that's not kind of home we grew up in. For some of us, we grew up with fathers who weren't consistent, maybe weren't even in the picture. And yet we're told the father that God is going to be for us, that the son is going to be, will be an everlasting father. One that you can always depend on. One that's not going to let you down. One that will always be there to care and to love you. And for some of us who grew up in homes that that wasn't the case, it's even more uh, revealing and exciting to know that he is an everlasting father. Now, in Hebrew, that word father is the Hebrew word ab. And that's just something I want you to keep in your mind for a little bit later on in the sermon, okay? It's a very simple word. It's the word ab, and it simply means dad or father. So he's going to be your everlasting ab, your everlasting father. And we all are going to need that at times in our life. Someone who champions us, loves us, is always there for us, an everlasting father. I remember when I was in high school, I played uh, basketball with a, with a boy named Ricky. And uh, especially when we were like in, in ninth or, or 10th grade, 8th grade, stuff like that. And there would be 13 parents in the gym and nobody else, you know, uh, and you'd be playing basketball. And I remember Ricky's mom would be doing this. No one's saying anything on the court. It, the gym's completely quiet. Nobody's there. And she's yelling things like, shoot, Ricky, shoot, Ricky. Ricky, you're the best player on the court. Ricky, you're better than everybody else. Don't worry about throwing that pass away. You're still better than everybody else. And she's screaming this the entire game. Now, for Ricky, it was kind of embarrassing. Uh, for us, it was hilarious. But for her, it was saying, I love my baby more than anybody else. So, uh, Meech and Russ and some of you guys, you all might want to do that uh, as you all get out there, just yell the entire time, stuff like that, to be encouraging to your children uh, while you're out there. But this idea of, of a father that's always going to be there, always consistent, always love us. So with that as our backdrop, this child that's going to be born is our everlasting father. I want you to take your Bibles now and uh, turn over to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. We're going to look at Romans 8, 14 through 17 and talk about what it means to be an everlasting father. What does it mean to be an everlasting father? And the first thing we see is this. In our salvation, God gave us his spirit, which makes us his children. You are a child of God because when you were born again, when Jesus came into your life, he gave you his spirit and that spirit has caused you to become God's child. Look down to verse 14 of Romans chapter 8. 
It says, because those who are led by the spirit of God have become the sons or the children of God. So if you're led by the spirit of God, you become the child of God. Now, what's that mean? Be led by the spirit of God. There was a time in our life that all of us were spiritually dead. We were away from God and there was nothing we could do to save ourselves. You couldn't be smart enough to get to heaven, know all the right answers. Uh, You couldn't be good enough to get to heaven because God is perfect and God's ways are perfect. And so we were always coming up short of the things of God. But when you were saved, when God came into your life, we're told he gave you his spirit. Now, when God put his spirit inside of you on the day you were saved, it's like getting God's DNA inside of you. And we're told that what happened was you became God's child on the day that you were saved. And so that 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 changes everything. We've gone uh, from being away from God and in our sins to being forgiven and saved and becoming a child of God. Now, most of us realize that in and of ourselves, we're never going to be perfect. We can try over and over again. We're always going to mess up. We're always going to fail. The other night at supper, we were sitting around the table and Dawn said, okay, I just want us to go through one meal without somebody saying something bad about, about somebody else at the table or being rude to somebody. Just one meal. And we said, okay, we're going to be on perfect behavior the rest of the night. Like 30 seconds later, we were all saying, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, can, we, can we start now or something like that? So we, we couldn't get through the breadsticks uh, before we'd already broken that rule or something like that. And so it's easy to see we're never going to measure up on our own to God. But that's what Jesus did coming to die on the cross to take our place so that we could be forgiven. And when we accepted that and God came into our life, we became the very children of God. And that brings us to the next thing that we see. This new relationship with God should drive out fear and cause us to trust God even more. Look down at verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Now what he's talking about is the way most people live their Christian life. Even most Christians. We live a life of fear because our life revolves around trying to be good or bad and gaining God's favor. And so what we do is we say, okay, I know I've messed up. I know I've done wrong. So I'm going to try really hard this week to please you, God. I'm going to do everything I can so you're not mad at me. And so we, we, we go out of our way to be good. We read our Bible. We come to church. Uh, we open the door for a little old lady when she comes in or something. You know, We're doing everything in our power to be nice people. And it lasts for two or three days. And then just like at the restaurant, it doesn't go very well. And then when we mess up and we say something we shouldn't have said or we do something we shouldn't have done, then what happens is we feel guilty about it. And then we feel guilty and we think this happens all the time. I said I was going to be good. I said I was going to try harder. I said I was going to be more the kind of person God wants me to be. And then I mess it up all over again. And so we live a continual life of trying to measure up, trying to please God, coming short of it, and then feeling guilty. In verse 15, Paul says, if that's the way you're living your Christian life, trying to please God and measure up, then you have become a slave to fear. That your life, your Christian life revolves around fear. I'm never measuring up. I'm not doing good enough. Uh, and so we get up and we pray praise like this. Prayers like this. We say, Lord, 
Help me not do that bad thing I do it again. You know, help me not say something that makes somebody mad today. Help me not do that again. And so we're always praying prayers of fear because we're never measuring up to what God wants from us. And so he says, you're not that way. If you are a child of God, you don't have to be a slave to fear, trying to measure up to please God so that, that uh, he's not going to judge you. Keep reading. Verse 15, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. An entirely different thing. Why does a slave do what they do? A slave does what they do, not because they love their master and they want to serve him. They do what they do because if they don't, they'll be punished. Being a slave is not something anyone chooses. You don't want to be a slave. A slave is forced into a life they don't want. And the only reason they're doing things that they're doing is that they're afraid they'll be punished if they don't. And Paul says, that's how a lot of Christians live their Christian life. And then we wonder why we're not living a full and abundant life when we're slaves trying to please God and and afraid of judgment if we don't. So he says, you're not slaves, you're God's children. Now, what's the difference between a child and a slave? Why does a child do what they do? I mean, if you can answer that, you're better. You're better than I. I've wondered what my children do. They do all the time. But, but uh, uh, neither here. A child doesn't get up in the morning and think, "Man, I've got to do all these things, or mom and dad don't love me." Uh, you know, uh, if I don't if I don't make my bed, uh, mom and dad will never speak to me again. Uh, how many people here, their children made their bed this morning? Mine are probably still in their bed uh, this morning. They'll say, you know, my, my kids don't know we play music in the first service. There's music in the first service? You know, we, we didn't get here on time or something like that. No, just, just kidding. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, uh, so they didn't make their bed. So does that mean you're not going to ever love your child again? No, you, you do love your child. There's a difference between being a child and being a slave. And so what's Paul say here? You're not slaves You don't have to worry about that judgment. You're children of God. You've got a different spirit. And then he says something in verse 15 that is absolutely radical. He says, therefore, we cry or we shout out, Abba, Father. We are not slaves to fear. We're God's children. Therefore, we shout at the top of our lungs, Abba. Now, I know it was five minutes ago, but anybody remember the Hebrew word used in Isaiah 9, 6 for God? Ab. It's the word dad or father. What Jesus is saying here is you can now cry out Abba. That's a different word, Abba. What Jesus is saying isn't dad or father. He's added a little ending to it. And he's taken dad And he's changed it to daddy. Now think of how radical this was. That to a Jewish mindset, a conservative Jewish mindset, that if you even said the formal name of God in the Bible, you were stoned to death. And Jesus is saying, you call dad. You call him daddy. Now when you hear the word daddy, what do you think of? When you hear the word daddy, do you think of... Judge, he's going to get you. He's angry at you. If you don't measure up, he's going to get you. He's looking down, expecting you to do everything you were supposed to do because he's daddy. Is that what you think of? 
Or when you hear that word daddy, do you think of somebody that's always going to love you, that is caring, somebody that's always on your side, always going to pick you up? And Paul says here in verse 15, you're God's child, therefore we cry out. That word literally means to shout at the top of your lungs. You shout at the top of your lungs, daddy. So you were afraid of a God who begged you to call him daddy. Have you ever even tried to pray a prayer like that before? I have. And at first, it's really hard to do. It's hard to pray a prayer and say, daddy. It changes everything about the way you view God. You know, it was interesting. Uh, people were asked in a survey, say everything you think of when you hear the name God. And they said, mighty, powerful, creator, judge. And they said, say everything you think of when you think of Jesus. And they say, loving, forgiving, compassionate, caring. And then it says, the Bible says that Jesus is the image and the fullness of God. If you see him, you've seen the other. Why are the two so different? And maybe it's because they were supposed to be the same. They, they are. He is mighty creator and judge. He's also loving, caring, compassionate, and kind. And you have to bring those two together. We're told to call God daddy. And it changes everything about the way we think of God. You're not afraid to approach daddy. You're not afraid that somehow something's not going to measure up if daddy is there. Keep reading verse 16. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit. We are God's very children. So you are a child of God. God loves you. God cares for you with all of his heart. If that's how you think of God, it changes everything about your perspective. A few years ago, uh, my sister had gone with our church youth group as a chaperone uh, down to Mission Fuge in Mobile, Alabama, and she fell and broke her arm while she was there. Had to have surgery on her on her arm and everything. And so uh, my nephew who was, who was in the camp called and said, can you drive down and pick us up? And I said, sure, I'll drive down to Mobile, Alabama and pick you up, you know, sure. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be glad to do that. Well, then my, my dad calls me and he says, are, are you going to go pick up uh, your sister in Mobile? And I said, I said, yeah, dad. I said, well, we'll be back in the morning. And he said, well, I'm going with you. And my dad's in his 80s at this time. And I said, Dad, you know, it's not necessary. You know, I'm going to drive straight down there and then drive right back tomorrow. And he said, well, I'm going with you. And I said, okay. Five minutes later, my mom calls. And she said, if your dad's going to Mobile, I'm going to Mobile with you. And I said, oh, it's not really necessary. Mom, she goes, no, I'm going. And I said, okay. Five minutes later, my older sister calls and said, if mom and dad are going to Mobile, I'm going with you. And I said, look, my car can only fit so many people. And we've got two coming back. And I no, we're going. And so my nephew hadn't heard any of this. And we show up at the hospital and the whole family comes traipsing into the hospital room. And, and he kind of stands there for a second. He said, can I talk to you in the hallway? And I said, sure. And we go out in the hallway and he said, why did you bring everybody? But that's what happens when somebody loves you and cares for you and will go out of their way for you. And we're told that's how you were supposed to view God. You don't view God as some angry judge out to get you. You view him as an everlasting father that is there to love you. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. As God's children, we are heirs and co-heirs 
with Jesus. Look at verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. We are the heirs of God and we are co-heirs with Christ. My goodness. Think about what you've just been told there. Here is a God that you're afraid to approach because he's distant and angry and out to get you. And we're told when you became God's child on the day you were saved, you became God's child. And on the day you became God's child, if you're a child, then you're an heir. So you are an heir of the things that are God's. And so you think, wow, that's pretty neat. I'm an inheritor of, of the things of God. But then he goes on and says, you're just not an heir of the things of God. You are a co-heir with Jesus. Oh my goodness. Everything you think Jesus is going to inherit, you're a co-heir of that. How can that be? Because you're God's child. And doesn't that change everything about the way you view this God, how you approach this God, how you feel about that God and how he feels about you? He is our everlasting father. And so we go back to where we started and we think about Christmas and we're told that he is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God and he's an everlasting father. And when we think about those things, It changes the way we view God. He's a counselor who wants to be there to help us with our problems. He's a mighty God who has the power to do it. And he's an everlasting father who has the care and the concern and wants to do it. And so suddenly our view of God and Christmas changes. And so Christmas becomes a celebration of Jesus, our everlasting father. And we view him completely differently. Probably in this service, a lot of you don't know who Mario Andretti was. Anybody know who Mario Andretti? Mario Andretti, okay, all the old people who sit on this side. Uh, Mario Andretti was one of the greatest race car drivers that ever lived. During World War II, uh, his family was from Italy, and his, his family home was destroyed. They had to flee the fighting, and he was in a refugee camp with his family for 17 months. When, when the war was finally over and everything, Andretti and his family uh, immigrated to the United States. He had an uncle that lived in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And he had a twin brother named Aldo. And he said he never will forget him and Aldo were out in the backyard at his uncle's house. And they heard all of this loud noise. This is Aldo and Mario right here at the age I'm talking about. They heard all this loud noise. They were 15 years old. And they went over and they looked through the fence where they heard all the loud noise and there was a racetrack. And man, they were just taken by it. And they would watch it every day. Then they started hanging out at the racetrack and talking to people. And uh, they said, you boys ought to start driving some of these cars. So at 16, they started driving. Very first race they were in at 16 years of age, Aldo won the race. The second race they were in, Mario won the race. And they're only 16 years old at this time. Their dad found out they were just hanging out at the track. And their dad told them, okay, boys, that's dangerous. I don't want you hanging out at the track. You might get hurt. Didn't know they were already racing. And so the boy said, okay, dad, we're not going to hang out at the track. Now they thought of their dad this way. He's a, he's a, a tough, strict Italian dad, and he's going to really get us if he finds out what we're doing. About two weeks later, Aldo was in a wreck on the racetrack. His car flew through the air and he was in a coma. And at the hospital, his dad came in and looked at Mario and said, Mario, what are you all doing? 
I told you not to even go over there and you were racing. And Mario talked to his dad and said, but dad, you don't understand how much we love this. And he started trying to explain it to his dad and he kept waiting for the hammer to come. And his dad never said anything. It took a week for Aldo Andretti to come out of his coma. And when he did, the first thing he said was he looked at Mario and he said, we're in big trouble, aren't we? (laughs) Not knowing his dad was in the room. Got a picture of Mario and his dad right here. And Mario's dad walked over, took him by the hand, kissed him on the cheek and said to him these words. He said, you know what? Mario's rebuilding your car. I'm helping him. And I can't wait to get to the track to see you race. And his son looked at him and said, but dad, I thought you'd be mad. And he said, no, Aldo, I love you. I lost my dad about a year ago. And I know what it means to have a father that loves you. But what we're told in our scripture is that we have an everlasting father who will always love us, who will always be there for all eternity. And when we think of Christmas, it's not about toys and presents. The greatest gift that we ever have is an everlasting father who will always be there to give us love. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that you were there, that you love us. Lord, help us to know it's not what we're doing, but it's what you're doing. That you've made us your children and your heirs. That you've given us a hope that goes beyond this world. Lord, help us to see you as that everlasting father. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.